0: Michelle, how are you? Take two.
1: Hey, Mike. I'm good. How it's are been you? it so
0: long I forgot to hit the record button on our first <laughs> That's
1: okay. We, we, we weren't far in it. It's okay. How have you
0: been in the long, cold summer since we last um, spoke?
1: Yeah, no No cold in this summer. As a matter of fact, I've got a fan going. Is it bothering you? You're Can in you the hot
0: it? Georgia winter? Or um, hot, cold
1: Tennessee. Georgia summer? Tennessee. I remember. know,
0: but you're what, a seven iron from Georgia?
1: uh almost you can spit and hit georgia from here so
0: yeah so it's it's um it's hot here too it's unusually hot this summer but it's august 2nd and we're here to do a podcast preview for season four of halt and catch fire exciting stuff we're gonna merge that in with sanjean apparel an episode from black mirror which stars our hero from halt and catch fire cameron Mackenzie davis yep sure does So, Michelle, how did you like San? – let's start with San Junipero. How did you like San Junipero?
1: Well, the first time I watched it, I wasn't overly into it. We were binge-watching Black Mirror, which, by the way, I recommend completely. It's one of the best um, odd kind of series that I've seen in a long, long time. But it didn't – I don't know. You know, it didn't seem to kind of fit into the narrative of the rest of Black Mirror. So I was kind of taken aback by it, and it wasn't my favorite.
0: No, but, it was happy versus dystopian.
1: <laughs> well, yeah.
0: That got you all pissed it. off that it wasn't, it wasn't uh, ugly and evil enough for you?
1: i kind of thought it was in a way, you know, a lot of it was kind of, kind of dark. Um, but yeah, thinking about it like that, since you said it, maybe it was just so different from the other ones in that it was happier and there was a happier ending. You're, you're absolutely right. I think that might've just thrown me off and it just didn't feel like the rest of them. So it wasn't my favorite having watched it again um, being a year or so removed from Black Mirror, I loved it. I thought it was really, really good. So that's, that's always an interesting thing to me when you watch something one time and you have one opinion on it and you watch it another time and you have another opinion on it. I guess it shows how fickle we are as, uh, viewers.
0: So maybe you got smarter in that last 12 months. (laughs)
1: It's possible, not probably, probably not, but um, but yeah. What what did you think of it?
0: Well, I think *San Junipero* is one of my favorite hours of TV in the over the past several years.
1: Wow. I really
0: liked it. I liked the, and maybe I'm conditioned by what's happened to me over the past 12 months, like watching *The Leftovers* and kind of learning about television shows relating to grief and thinking about what you do when you get older and. Uh, and maybe other events in life and stuff, but I don't know. I think it was. I just think it was fantastically written, and I love the plot of it. Um, there is a little bit of a vein, a thin, very thin vein of of perhaps evil or sadness in it that we could talk about in the podcast too. That I think is is interesting to explore. Um, and then the world of the Reddit forums and all the other forums have mined this episode. Extensively for like what people thought and what they thought happened, and why did people do things certain ways? I mean, it just a very interesting show to think about and talk about.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. There's a lot in it. A lot in it.
0: And Cameron, you know, Mackenzie Davis was really good in it. So I, I love that. And Gugu Mbatha Ra, the other girl, Kelly, was really good in it. So, um.
1: Mackenzie Davis was Mackenzie Davis. I, I, She's she's not necessarily just Cameron to me. She's been in a couple other things that um, that I've liked that I can't remember her names and stuff in. But but she to me almost always plays this same person. And you know they talk about being typecast and how that's horrible thing and all that. But I think it's great because she plays this person perfectly, kind of like the awkward, you know. Uh, nerdy kind of person. I think we see that a lot with her.
0: Yeah, that made me think of merging this with the preview of season four from Halt and Catch Fire for Halt and Catch Fire. So that Mackenzie Davis is the video playing nerdy, quiet, oddball, you know, whatever whatever you call it, the, uh, the unicorn, right? The outlier of the social group of people.
1: Yes, yes, yeah, almost, um, I don't know if I'd say outcast, but but almost
0: Black Swan. What you know we have some yeah. cool trendy names for those types of things now. But so Michelle, what do you know about the rules of the universe in San Junipero?
1: Um what do you mean by the rules well, of the universe? They
0: have there's people that are mm-hmm. not dead yet, and there are people that are dead. Right. There's a computer simulation of events and virtual reality. How do you understand all that the timing that they can spend there?
1: Right, right. Okay. So before you die, you can take like a little trial of this place. It's like a, I guess it's like a paradise, right? And and you can spend five hours a week because they don't want you too immersed because you would. They limit the time because they don't want people who are living to, you know, go there and not come back um, to, to actually like it better than, than real, real life, so to speak. Um, and then when you die, you can have a choice of going there or not. And, um, and there's something about like the five hours a week that you get and it like cuts off at midnight, which is pretty cool. And, but you can go at different times. One of my questions is, and maybe you caught it and I didn't, if you go back at the end of your life when when you've died, can you still jump time or do you go back to a specific time? Do you know that?
0: I don't know the answer to that, and okay. there are some other interesting questions, too. But So let's just say right here this is obviously going to have spoilers in it. So if you haven't watched this episode, you should go watch it because it's really good to watch unspoiled and then it, this podcast might be more fun to listen to after you've watched it but we're going to oh, we're no. going to tell everything we know about it so
1: yeah absolutely don't don't even listen to this until you've watched it because you don't even know any of this stuff for the first maybe what would you say 15 or 20 minutes into this one hour episode
0: Yeah, they drop clues throughout it. That's why it's so good on a second or third watch because you can kind of pick up the clues that he drops in there right? that are really kind of fun to follow. But, yeah, so five hours – you can go – if you're alive, you can go visit for five hours and then you have to leave for – you can only go five hours per week. And then once you die, you can stay there. I don't know if you can jump into different time zones when you are permanently there. That's a good question. Um, They also, they interviewed Charlie Brooker, who's the showrunner, the writer. He writes all the Black Mirror. So he's a really good writer. And they asked him, was 1980 the earliest year of this computer simulation? Is that the earliest time you could go, like, or could you go way back into, like, earlier, like, Flapper Girls in the 1960s? Sure. He he said he thought about that, but he didn't include that because it would have been too complicated for the one-hour episode. But he thought about, like... Flapper girls in the 60s, because that was, you know, that made it interesting. He, he said he also thought about it in terms of like a Grand Theft Auto, like there's, you know, Grand Theft Auto, and then there's Grand Theft Auto in the 80s, and they jump around in different things like that. So, but I, I don't think we get answers to those questions. Like, I don't think we'll ever know if you can jump time to different eras, or I don't think you, we know if you can go before 1980. Um, but I, I, I don't mind not knowing. It's interesting just to think about that question in itself.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: So, Michelle, let's, let's talk about this little vein of evil that I think is in this show. Otherwise, a gloriously beautiful show, I think. It's just an uplifting, kind of cool thing to think about. But the evil for me was what, what do you think about living in a place where you're always 21 and beautiful forever and ever in eternity? Uh, some philosophers have described that as hell that you don't ever die, you're, you're, you'll you live forever, That that is a curse.
1: Okay, well, yeah, but this, you could check out at any time. They also pointed that out in this episode. Just because you choose to go there doesn't mean you have to stay there forever. You choose to go there, and then if you want to not be there anymore, you get to check out of there. So that's not that same thing.
0: So but when do you how many years do you stay 21 in the 80s living and dancing and running on the beach? How when does it turn for you to be the time that you say, screw this, I've had enough. I'm checking out.
1: Right. Right. I mean, I don't know. Um, I'm, I, I don't know. Would it I mean, you don't have to to dance, you know, you don't have to live that same life. You could always um,
0: you can dance if you want to. You can, you can leave your hat behind.
1: <laughs> there was a lot of that music in here, too, which I just really loved. You know I'm an 80s music aficionado. Um, yeah, I I don't know. If you could jump back and forth in time, I think that would make it even kind of crazier or, you know, shake it up more or whatever. I mean, you know, because you're right. How long do you want to live in 1987?
0: Yeah it's weird It's a weird thought to think about How long does happiness last Before it turns into Not happiness Even mm-hmm. with the person that you're with That you really care about So uh, on the music side Michelle Charlie Brooker has a I think he has a <clears throat> One of the music suppliers Playlists where you can go and Just listen to his playlist
1: Oh I didn't know um,
0: that I'll put I, I don't have that playlist in that I don't know if it's Spotify or what's one of those, but I have the songs here. So, of course, Heaven is a Place on Earth, Belinda Carlisle.
1: Yeah, we start and end with that song, which is pretty cool.
0: I don't know if that's Belinda by herself or with the Go-Go's, but. It's
1: just Belinda Carlisle, I think.
0: Okay, Robbie Neville, C'est La Vie, Mm -hmm. The Bangles, The Smiths, Simple Minds, Robert Palmer, Terrence Trent Darby. In Excess, The Pixies, Alanis Morissette, goes on and on and on. So I'll put a link to this list if people want to listen. I mean, it's really good music if you're into that kind of music.
1: And who's not?
0: Maybe some people. Yeah. brings up another interesting point, Michelle, that these actors and even Charlie Brooker himself were not living this 1980s. Charlie Brooker was born in 1971, so he was a young adolescent, well, maybe becoming adolescent, young teenager. Only in the eighties, he wasn't the twenty-something.
1: Well, I mean, by nineteen eighty, what seven, where we start out, that would have made him sixteen. So that would be that's the perfect age, you know, as far as um, to enjoy that time period. You know, yeah, he was definitely a teen in the later time. I also wanted to point out though. You know, you were saying that they didn't want to go back in time farther or whatever because of the complexities of, you know, this one-hour show and how much they did. This was so authentic to the time. I was amazed watching it a second time how just, just every little nuance that they threw into it, from Max Headroom to the way we danced in the 80s to the hairstyles to the clothing i was just blown away with how much detail they did in each of these little tiny segments because the segment may not last a couple of them only lasted like a minute and still they had all of this detail in that
0: and cross-referenced into the theme like think of even max headroom like the the, the virtual guy from 1980, whatever, whenever he started, 87, 84, somewhere in there. Right. He's a virtual guy with computer-generated thoughts that at the time was virtual. And then Charlie Brooker writes him into this kind of episode with the theme of the story being that that having Max Headroom on there was just perfect, a perfect fit for time reference.
1: And all right, Yes, it was. It was also like a perfect kind of... Uh, segue into the Cameron of Halt and Catch Fire. Right. I thought.
0: Right. So it's a good blend for our two, for our podcast and just for covering this. So, so jumping into it, it starts in 1987. It covers the years eventually throughout the episode of 1980 through 2002. But the first scene is 1987. The Lost Boys are up on the marquee of the theater. Uh, the, the bar they the dance club or the bar they all go to is Tucker's. And we'll see at the end as the computer plugs in its data chips or its flash buttons or whatever they are. It's T-C-K-R is the stock symbol. Oh, or good symbol.
1: catch. Yeah, I actually wrote that down, but I didn't catch it in relation to the name of the bar. Great catch.
0: So there's lots of clues like that throughout it. So mm-hmm. we see Cameron, uh, or I guess Yorkie is her name in this. She's very pure and innocent looking. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, we should talk about too. Kelly, the other girl, is has had a full life. Yorkie's life; she's a twenty-one-year-old eternally. She's cut off from life essentially at twenty-one, so it's it's really weird in that it's a sixty-one-year-old and a, well, however old Kelly is, maybe even older. But she's she's a full older life that, person, yeah. and Yorkie is a twenty-one-year-old. I guess they're comparing their twenty-one-year-old ages and experiences until some point later in the episode where Kelly kind of interjects more about the husband and the life and the daughter and all that. But, but Yorkie, well, right. Yorkie doesn't have that.
1: No, she doesn't. And, and she is like kind of halted at 21 as far as life experience, but not to be, you know, not in hmm. a terribly creepy way in that she is older than that.
0: So they meet at this dance club called Tucker's and Kelly is having trouble with a boyfriend or some guy trying to hit on her, and she uses Yorkie to help escape this guy.
1: Which I think is interesting because it's kind of like what you brought up earlier. You know, Wes, this guy that she has these issues with the whole time, he is um, not happy. And he's there, and he's not happy. So, yeah. I hadn't really thought about it to that extent, but uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting.
0: So, along the way, there's some interesting stuff. I don't know if it's before or after. I guess it's before they meet Cameron slash Yorkie goes in and plays some video games, and she's playing what looks like a. What looks like Pac Man, but it's actually double double or bubble bubble. Double bubble. Yeah,
1: that. Well, that. Yeah, bubble bubble. Like, I guess they couldn't use the term, but that wasn't Pac Man at the beginning, I don't think. I think that was some kind of like a. Asteroid or Centipede or, I don't know, one of those weird games like that. She plays it later, we see her playing Pac-Man.
0: Okay. So but some but Shner- it's not
1: called Pac-Man either. Some
0: schnerdly guy comes up to her and tells her it has two different endings, depending on one or two players, which is a very <laughs> interesting clue towards the end of the episode.
1: Yeah, and, and the most awkward nerd hit on a woman I've ever heard,
0: so. Oh, he has the cable guy voice. He has the lisp. He's totally schnurdly. He could, they couldn't make him more schnurdly. He's drinking a drink out of a straw, which guys should never do in a, in a club. Don't sip out of a straw with an umbrella in your drink. <laughs> you want to look like a tough guy to girls? And he's got the cable... It, it has two different endings, depending on if you play one or two players. And the
1: she lisp. blows him off. And... Think about it, Mike, that's this guy's paradise. Oh yeah. So what's that mean? You know, it's like that's as good as it ever gets for this guy. This guy's living his his dream, his his paradise. So that's it's kinda sad.
0: So the two different endings depending on if it's one or two players is kind of a clue to the end. He invites her to play the car crash game top speed and she totally balks at it. That's a second clue. Right. Um she she talks with Kelly and they kind of eliminate this west guy for a while. She says, "Oh, my friend is dying. I got to talk, spend some time." Which is maybe a third or fourth whatever number we're up to clue. And um
1: And it's Ke- kind of funny cuz really they're all dying or dead and they all know that when they're there. So it kind of makes it an odd conversation that we're not privy to, but they are collectively.
0: Right. And if you extend the theme of this what are we all doing today at our computers and our microphones? We're all sitting here dying, right? We all have X amount of time left. We're all essentially in this paradise until it's over. I mean, you could extend this and think about it as deeply or as shallowly as you want, but it's really, it's really just Charlie Brooker for me has tapped into a whole well for me of thoughts with this, with this episode. That's why I like it so much.
1: I thought it also had almost a religious theme to it or it could certainly be twisted that way
0: very religious depending yeah you know it makes you explore maybe your religious belief
1: well and you know it's kind of like you can choose this and end up in paradise or you can choose to not and it's your choice anyway
0: So some more clues, either Wes or one of the two girls says, oh, come on, there's only two hours left, so we don't know what that means yet, but that apparently is the five-hour limit closing down. Uh, And another clue is she can't dance. Um, Yorkie cannot dance. She doesn't know how to dance. She doesn't know how to use her feet.
1: She doesn't, and we find out that she's wearing eyeglasses for no reason right here, that they're not corrective lenses. I don't know what that was all about.
0: I think it's people trying to th- trying to look how they think they should look. Um interesting though that she does do that and then at the end she takes those glasses off and leaves leaves them behind as if I don't need to look I don't need to pro- I don't need to pose this way anymore.
1: Right. Rob.
0: Um she's never had alcohol. When she gets the drink, she hasn't she sips it and like ooh, that's strong like a kid almost like a first drink type of experience. Rob. Then um, oddly, when she's out, she kind of gets a little bit overwhelmed by Kelly. Kelly's um, Gugu and Batha Raw is Kelly, and she's the hip, cool black girl that hits on Yorkie. And she's totally '80s. She's she's Prince, Michael Jackson, and a few other cliches wrapped into this this dynamic little ball of a girl that's just like totally '80s everywhere with her clothing and her attitude and.
1: Right, and, and her life energy is so strong, and I think that's what they're showing us and showing the people that are attracted to that, um, the guys and the girls, because she just is a ball of of energy and life Com- compared to Cameron, who is like, um, I mean, you know, she's like a, what, what would you say, an 80-year-old as far as, you know, her stance and her her energy level in the place
0: hmm, i don't know if I would attach age to it I think she's just on in, inexperienced and she's just basically shy well
1: that's what I mean like like life experience though um the well
0: why would that make you an eighty year old though
1: <sighs> okay, not life experience life as you're experiencing it at that age, I guess that's what I'm saying. I don't know. I just see like Kelly is, she has had this life and so she is experiencing the the best of the best of life as she has known it. And then you see Yorkie who has not experienced a lot of life and what she did experience was so long ago that everything about it is awkward. And she's taking all of her life experience. Yeah. It's just not there.
0: So let's give a second spoiler warning here, Michelle, and let's just talk about everything we know. Okay. So spoiler warning has been given twice. (laughs) So we know that Yorkie is 21. She's just told her parents that she is gay. And they totally reject that premise and don't want her to be that way. And she leaves them upset, gets in her car, goes out and drives and gets into an accident causing her to be in a quadriplegic coma. Right. right. At, at twenty
1: one. Right. Right.
0: Kelly is a woman who's married, been married forty years plus, forty plus years.
1: Yeah, they said forty-nine years.
0: Or fifty-nine, maybe more. She is a gay woman who has lived her life stolidly with her husband and daughter and and remained in her marriage, true to her vows with her husband, who she loves and honors. But she's gay, so she's frustrated that way. So Yorkie comes to this to just, why not? I want to see what life is like other than being a quadriplegic. And Kelly comes to this because she wants to see what life is like as a gay person that she can try out now that she can explore it in this venue called San Junipero. Right. All right. So that's where they are. (laughs) Um, I don't know how I don't know why I felt the need to stop and say that, but that's 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 how they meet. That's where they are. Um, the clues are really rampant here. She, they, the Kelly, kind of overwhelms Yorkie at first, and Yorkie runs outside in the rain, and she f- steps into a puddle, and the rain's coming down, and she feels it on her legs, and she looks at her foot like, "Ooh, that's what, that's what feeling of water on your foot." It's really kind of cool how they do that.
1: It it is cool. It's cool the second time you watch it, and you know this. You know, the first time you watch it, she just steps in a puddle and looks at her foot and you're like, yeah, you know, you should have avoided that puddle. And I think it kind of reminded me the second time I watched it, you know, um, stepping in a puddle is, is a gift in a way, right? I mean, you know, we might say, oh, I just stepped in a puddle, up, you know, soaked my my up, up to my ankle, And, you know, uh, anyone who can't walk, what a gift that would be to them. So it really made me look at it differently.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so we, we know a few other things, too. We know that Yorkie's family, I guess it's her parents, won't let her escape from her quadriplegic coma and offer euthanasia to her because they don't believe in that. So Rob. she's bound to this fate forever until she just, by natural causes, passes away. Rob. And Kelly's daughter, I think, at 29 years old, was killed in a car crash. I think.
1: 39. Car, it was thir- 39.
0: 39. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, she's sad about that. She's lived her whole life past that event, missing her daughter, and and I think her husband has also passed away. Um, yes, he that, has. In fact, I know he's passed away because he's chosen not to join the San Junipero virtual universe because the daughter died before this technology was available and she can't be there.
1: Right. And why should he have that if right. she can't? Right. Right. Big life questions there, you know? I mean, really big. there There's so many deep philosophical things to think about in this and how would you, you know, handle this situation?
0: Yeah. Well first of all you have to believe or not believe in an afterlife and a heaven. Like if I do just die, if I do just go to that place I believe is a heaven, will I see the daughter and husband again? Or or is it just blank nothingness? That is a religious line that you have to take a fork in the road that you have to decide on. Um, and then, yeah, do I, and if so, if there is a heaven, do I choose that heaven with my daughter and husband, or do I choose this virtual reality with this woman now that I love? It's pretty, there's no answer that I can think of for that that's satisfactory.
1: It's, um, it definitely causes you to do some searching if you take the time to think about it like that.
0: So so further to the plot, um, Yorkie is decided to, marry this nurse this male nurse greg so that he as her husband can release her from the quadriplegic and grant the euthanasia and just let her go into this uh i guess now that she's seen san junipero that's where she wants to go for, for more than five hours a week
1: how would they know that do you know that answer to that
0: well, they. Greg says, in the when he talks to Kelly, he says that he communicates with her via some box. So I don't know how that works. Okay. I don't know how San June Apparel works either. So maybe it's a technology that they have. By the way, I think this is all projected to be like twenty sixty, or you know, it's like multiple years into our our future. Okay. Because if if in if in. 1980, if they were 21 and she's 60 or 70 now, that you know, it's farther beyond 2017.
1: Right. So they have right. to have some
0: technology that we don't have today, or you know, and well, of course, Black sure. Mirror is full of that. Right. So they spend this time there. They meet and come and go several times in different eras. Um, pretty cool how they show the eras. One one interesting scene is Yorkie getting ready to go out, and she's ex- experiencing the, the playlist from the different songs of the 80s, and it's Robert Palmer and all these other people, and she's got the look of the MTVs of the people and the videos from those songs.
1: Yes, I know. That was great. And it was really neat to see her doing that versus this – a nerdy kind of wallflower that she was prior to that but then once she goes through all that she goes back to the nerdy wallflower which that's I, her
0: look that's she's true to her inner I thought, well, that was good I think that she didn't go out as one of the slick Robert Palmer girls
1: yeah but I mean you know don't we all kind of do that I mean isn't that kind of what hairstyle and makeup and fingernail polish and all the girly stuff that that we do isn't that kind of what we're doing anyway I mean it's kind of putting on this uh, I don't know I hate to say disguise I don't think it's a disguise but uh, you know I mean you you get to look your best and go out right and she chose not to do that and Well, I she did really her look. That.
0: Yorkie's look is different than Kelly's look. Kelly is the flamboyant prince girl and Yorkie is the toned down Cameron, you know, just plain glasses, plain makeup, plain dress. That's her look. That's her. She, she looked the best that way. Uh, I think that was her glammed up look for her.
1: <laughs> OK.
0: Um, and it fit her. She, you know, she didn't. She was v- really beautiful during all those different costumes. Um, I really like the pretty and pink one with simple minds, but she was, you know, she looks, she looks good as Cameron, the plain round glasses girl. Right. Um, yeah. So they go back and forth. They're, uh, they go. and,
1: And Kelly hid on her after they were together the first time Kelly hid. Yeah. So what did that tell us?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe she doesn't want to get involved with somebody where she knows it's time where she can't come here anymore. She knows she's dying. She can't, she, you know, it's a separation.
1: Right. Well, Kelly doesn't want to get involved with anybody. But isn't it kind of funny, too, and we kind of glossed over this, but but when she's talking to Wes at the beginning, she's, they're talking about, you know, he's, like, uh, really infatuated with her. And she says it was just sex, It was just sex. Wasn't it funny that even though she went uh, to send Junipero to live out this, um, like you said, I think mostly to live out this lesbian kind of lifestyle, that she still got there and still got with the guy.
0: Yeah, she danced with the guy. I guess she, well, and she tells Yorkie that she likes both. Right maybe maybe she maybe it's still confusing to her even at, as the 21 free from all obligations person it's still confusing to her could see that so uh, you know i don't know where we can go with this but they go they go back and forth they uh they drive a little bit they come at one point in this episode they come to kelly's apartment and there's a photo of a woman and Yorkie asks if it's her mom, and it's clearly her daughter at 39 or 38 Rot. or something. Right, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yorkie's never slept with a woman or with anyone, and kind of tells her her story, all the stuff we've kind of just talked about. So, pretty interesting. She's uh, she's never been able to experience any of this until now. So it was just it was just cool to see it. I don't know. It was a, kind of a happy people getting to do what they really wanted to do.
1: Right. And we have to point out here though, that we still don't know what's going on at this point, at this point when they just went back to her house, this is the first night they met Uh, or yeah, no, no. The second time that they met is when this happened. And we still don't know. We see the clock turn to midnight and we get like zapped back to the next week, the next Saturday. Right. And they also talk about a little bit during this that we don't have any idea what they're talking about at this point about their, you know, how they live for these Saturdays. And once you know the story, the full story, like what we've already explained, you understand that. But it's not so obscure to hear somebody say... I live for Saturday. I mean, you know, there's songs about it, right? Working for the weekend. I mean, you know, a lot of people certainly live for their weekends. So you can still buy that. They're just meeting up. Right.
0: Yeah, so later events, they show where she's trying to look for Kelly and can't find her, like you said. And then she is directed to go to this place called Quagmire, which is a club that's rougher than Tucker's. That's kind of the... Dust to Dawn <laughs> looking, It looked exactly like the scene from the Tarantino Dust to Dawn movie
1: Didn't it? Yes it um, did
0: And it's kind of sex and bondage and violence and snakes And dystopia It's kind of the place where Tucker's Is boring people who are there forever They go for like rougher Wilder nightclub experiences Right um, and, and so one night looking for Kelly Yorkie goes there and sees that rejected guy And um, she he tells her to try a different time because she's worth it. Tells her to pursue Kelly. Right, right. So she goes back in eighty, and then in nineteen ninety six, and we see the Scream poster and the Born Identity in two thousand two, and pretty cool. Just pretty cool how they, they jump around during these time sequences. It, it is difficult to understand on the first watch.
1: Yeah, but that's why it's almost like a sixth sense kind of thing. It is. You don't know what's going on, but then when you find out what's going on, it's like all the past of this whole episode just kind of, you know, rushes up to you, and you're like, oh. So that's what makes it so great, I think.
0: So at one point they talk, and she asks, Yorkie asks Kelly what t- percent are full-timers in this place, or, or essentially the fully dead people, and right. she says 80 to 85%. Um, they share that, you know, she shares that she's dying and she doesn't know how long she has and she wasn't prepared to meet Yorkie. So that's why she avoided her. I think that's the answer to what you asked a moment ago. Yeah. Wasn't prepared to fall in love. She was prepared to explore the, maybe the sexual nature of it and move on, but not fall in love.
1: Well, yeah, I don't think she wanted a reason to want to be there other than just the experience.
0: Yeah, so Kelly tells her she has three months to live. She's not going to go to San Junipero afterwards her, because, like you said, her husband isn't there because the daughter couldn't go there, and he died two years ago. And um, that's it. So she's kind of going to die and leave, and that's the end of it. So,
1: and this is where Yorkie tells her she's getting married
0: yeah. next week
1: too. Yeah,
0: she also tells her where she is, Michelle. And you, did you catch where she is?
1: Yes, I did. She's in your backyard, She's right? in
0: Santa Rosa, California, which is exactly where I'm sitting right now. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So awesome. Kelly visits her and sees that she's quadriplegic, quadriplegic from this car accident. She can only hear her. She meets the nurse, Greg, who's going to be the one who marries her to get her out of the – to offer the euthanasia to her. And he kind of tells her that that's, that's the story about the 21 car crash gay parent gay parents not liking it and she's been there for 40 years. Right. So um Kelly asks for one final visit when she goes back to youth and San Junipero asks for one final visit and they said, Yeah,
1: just a quick little visit. She just wants to go and have this conversation with her, you know.
0: Yeah. It's five really minutes. cool. Yeah. So she sees her on the beach. She sees Yorkie on the beach, runs up to her and asks her to marry her, Michelle.
1: Yeah, so sweet.
0: So that's so she can be the one that releases her into euthanasia. It's just, I guess, so they can be married. Um, then we cut back to Yorkie on the beach, I guess, in her permanent status. Now she's alone. She takes off the glasses like we talked about, leaves them behind. Uh, we see old Kelly dying go, about to die.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. And then she pops up in San Junipero again, and the, she's in her wedding dress. And then uh, next thing you know, Yorkie's in her in hers, and they spend a pretty happy, youthful wedding day on the beach.
1: Yeah. wait, well, yeah, yeah. Kelly hasn't died here yet, though.
0: Okay. Yeah. She's a. She's been. Yeah. In the.
1: she just it, much more ill. Right. Yeah.
0: So she actually drives off and crashes, and then clock strikes twelve in, in San Junipero, She's disappears from them
1: can we just talk for one second about what a douchebag move that is for her to do she knows what happened to Yorkie and I mean I know Yorkie knows this isn't like final I guess this isn't Kelly's final but she deliberately wrecked that car she ran through a barricade and it was very violent and very Ugly what they showed happened with her body.
0: Do you and, think at that point that Kelly knew she was going to go permanently back to San Junipero?
1: I think no. I think she was just struggling with it so bad that she didn't know what she wanted to do. That she really, you know, felt this, this pull. You know, she even brings it up to Yorkie about... You know, you don't know what it's like to be in a 49 year marriage and to lose your daughter to first have a daughter and then lose your daughter and stick with somebody through that. I mean, 49 years, you know, imagine your allegiance if you if you. Add the total time together that she spent with Yorkie so far, it might be, what, a week? I mean, and that's probably pushing it. They didn't show us a full week And as far as, you know, five hours at a time. And, I mean, just for her to have these feelings and be willing to even consider making a change when she's vowed to do things one way with this man that she's had these experiences with, I think is just it's tearing her apart.
0: So you think it was mean to Yorkie because she just left without explanation or that she made her see her die in a car crash essentially, or what?
1: The car crash. Yeah. The car crash. Yeah. Yeah. She made her see her die in a car crash. And of course she didn't die. And like I said, she, she knew, but earlier on their first ride before, Kelly even knew that Yorkie had died in a car crash. She went off the side of the road, and then she was laughing at Cameron's, at, you know, Yorkie's face. and
0: At being afraid, yeah.
1: Right. And we don't know the backstory at this point, that she's actually become, like, comatose from a car crash. And it, it's just... You know then when she finds out I mean you know if she hadn't known at this point it wouldn't be so so cold but when she finds out that this is how she has you know I mean not even just died I- imagine we find out that that Yorkie's been in this uh, vegetative state for 40 what 41 years I think or something like that's a long time and you know just just to see her have that kind of car accident, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was cold-blooded, and I did not like that.
0: Yeah, so the Jeep crashes. Kelly goes through the windshield, lies on the ground as if she's been killed in this crash. The clock strikes, and Yorkie runs up to her. Clock strikes 12, and she just disappears. And then we see her again. It's nighttime in her present time, and she's in old age again. And she kind of, you know, she's about to die morning dawns in her hospital and she's getting worse and worse. And then throughout that day we see sunset and she says to her people, okay, then I'm ready for the rest of it.
1: Yeah. And I didn't think that she believed in the euthanasia. Right. So the fact that she says that means that she's had a change of heart, I suppose. Correct.
0: You don't think who believed in the euthanasia
1: kelly for herself
0: okay, well kelly didn't need euthanasia kelly was yeah. di- kelly died of well mm-hmm. essentially yeah i guess they took her a little bit before
1: well right but that's what i'm saying that's what i i got the feeling that she didn't that wasn't her goal to do any of that
0: Until because she could have made met. that
1: choice at any time you know. Yeah,
0: so she got new information by crossing paths with Yorkie, and that entered into her as an option. Right. At that point, right. Yeah, maybe they do show the f- chemicals flowing into her veins from the whatever right. whatever the chemical was. Right. So um, so that ends. Looks like it's over, and but then we go back to San Junipero. Yorkie's driving around in her hot little red convertible. Heaven is a place on earth with uh, Belinda blasting in the radio. Yep. The credits start to roll. Kelly, we see Kelly die by that injection. We see her funeral, and then she appears back in San Junipero, Michelle. And then they drive around in the Mobile happily ever after.
1: Laughing and having a good time.
0: The very final scene is the computer placing the flash drives or whatever those drives, the chips into the servers for TCKR. Right. Forever and ever until they decide not to continue. Did the Was the ending satisfactory to you? Yes. Yeah, me I too.
1: I don't know how they could have done any better in a one-hour show than they did in that. And, you know, we were talking when we first got on here about how this was so deep and it had so much, um, you know, caused you— had had so many big big questions and how I was saying how I liked it so much more the second time and it may be because recently we've been watching a show called Glitch, uh, it's a Netflix series and one of the things on there uh, spoiler I'm going to spoil just a tiny bit of it I have to to tell the story um, is it's about a a man and his dead wife comes back to life a couple years after she's died and he's remarried and he remarried her best friend and she's pregnant and what do you do you know mike and i've had a lot of conversations about this because it's really and an interesting and a and a, and a very deep kind of thought process what do you do in that situation
0: yeah i don't know it's it's i mean god life is full of such odd dilemmas and contradictions sometimes i'm i'm lucky that i'm only i only have to ponder them and i don't have to decide on them but i mean i don't know i mean what do you do were you yeah, a, were you a fan of the leftovers
1: <laughs> no, not so much. I love The Leftovers until the ending. And then I was, well, not until the ending. I loved the first several seasons, loved, loved, loved. And then it started getting on my nerves.
0: Okay, well, I love The Leftovers. I love the way the whole series ended. But The Leftovers, Damon Lindelof um, has a friend called Matt Solar steitz And Matt zoller Stites is a critic, kind of like an Alan Sepinwall. Mm-hmm. He actually, he and Alan Seppelwall I believe, are friends, but he's a critic. And Matt Zoller-Stites had a wife who passed away, like ten years ago, and he wrote about it. And and Lindelof f- read that and incorporated it into Leftovers, and that's kind of part of the dealing with grief and dealing with what to do and. Um, so Matt Zoller Seitz shared this in a podcast. It's really is to, it, totally interesting to hear this. It's a true real life element of The Leftovers. Um, so ten years later, Matt Zoller Seitz marries the woman's sister, who dot his wife's sister. And he says in his podcast, he's, he's sharing all this. He says, I, "You know, God, I don't know to feel lucky or what, but going through my wife's death let me." connect with this woman who I now love and marry, that's her sister. So if I had to go back what and if I could choose my wife not to die, I wouldn't have this love. What what would I what do I do? Right? So this yeah. real life it's not just this isn't all isolated in Charlie Brooker type Black Mirror stories. This sometimes creeps into real life and people have these real life contemplations that they have to figure out.
1: That's really interesting. I wonder if some of this wasn't based, you know, on that, some of this glitch, uh, because this guy would have never had a child. His first wife couldn't have a child, and now, you know, his her best friend, who who grieved her, too, just like this man's, you know, dead wife's sister would have grieved her. And then they came together in their grief, and the bond that would form— yeah, I don't know. It's some interesting stuff. By the way, you did say Lost, right? You said, did I like Lost? Because no, I, I, I asked loved... you if
0: you liked Leftovers.
1: I thought you said Lost.
0: No. Well, okay. I might have. I meant Leftovers. <laughs> okay.
1: Leftovers I loved. I completely loved. Well, lost, yeah, of course, yeah.
0: Lindelof was involved in both. But yeah, le- Lost is several years past now. But right. Leftovers just ended, so that's what made me bring that
1: yes oh yeah absolutely loved leftovers even liked the ending of it and I have a hard time I I wasn't counting on that but I did
0: all right Michelle so um so that does it they end they end up whatever the computer lets them be for however long they decide to stay in the computer world of San Junipero yep all right so um our star Mackenzie Davis is Cameron Howe in Halt and Catch Fire. Halt and Catch Fire is about to start its fourth and final season on August 19th. It's going to have a two hour premiere. And it's on a Saturday. I don't think it's normally on Saturday. Is it maybe Sunday it, or another day? What? It's not Yeah, Saturday. it never
1: has been. I don't know. I don't know what. And I tried to find out when it's going to come on, what night it's going to play, and I couldn't figure it out. Oh, so for the know.
0: regular times? for it's Yeah. Regular. Yeah, so let's. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I watched. I thought we were going to do this podcast a few couple weeks back, so I watched the last episode of of season three. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know what you remember about that episode, but it's pretty interesting to see what's teed up. And I guess at the time they did that, uh, clearly at the time they didn't know if they were going to have a season four. But um, it's teed up to have some pretty damn interesting stuff happen in season four. So, uh, do you remember anything about that? They go to the they go have a meeting and Cameron and. Uh, Tom come back from Japan painfully.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. I I actually put in my notes from when we did the 310 podcast uh, at the time, Cameron and Tom are painfully together and Gordon and Donna are painfully apart. But Gordon and Donna are divorced. Cameron and Tom are married, but they don't look very good together married. And, of course, Joe is there. And the other weird dynamic is that Cameron and Donna have a pretty big rift between them.
1: Well, right at the very end um as I recall Donna's kind of booted out, right?
0: Yeah, Cameron says, I I love this. So the project is this stuff that Joe brought back from this meeting in Switzerland about people using or wherever, Bern, wherever it was in Europe, about the medical people sharing their information over a network. And he has the code. They give away the code for free at the meeting. (laughs) And Joe put it all up on the whiteboard to prove how simple it is and that the next people that recognize this, this is the thing that gets us to the thing. This is the thing at the end of the thing. Right, the first season was the computer. This isn't the thing. This is the thing that gets us there,
1: right. This is right. the
0: thing now, this season four, so
1: which has been what they've been searching for from the beginning, or Joe has been from the beginning.
0: I think so. They've hinted around it. They've teased it with like the game's been part of the game is the chat room where the people can talk to each other and you know internet internet connectivity, people talking to each other from anywhere in the world for any reason for any platform sharing videos where, you know, we all know what the internet is. So this is that they're at this pivot point in history where that's what they're going to develop.
1: But I think we have a time jump in this next one, right? Do you know how much it is? Cause I don't know.
0: I don't know either. Um, it's the, I think it's the early nineties if it's not 1990.
1: Okay. So it's not, not very much then for some reason I was thinking it was Farther than that. Well, it
0: may be. I, I mean, who's seen anything of the season yet? I don't know.
1: Right. Just by looking at how much they've changed and the, you know, areas in their life of, you know, watching the little trailers and stuff like that. It just seemed like a bigger time jump, but it might not have been at all.
0: Yeah, they talk about Joe's new computer, and that's kind of next like Steve Jobs left Apple, started next. That was in 1993, so if they run parallel with that, that would be 1993.
1: Um, well, Joe's hair has grown out, and he's got like a man pony going. So, you know, we know some time has passed. You don't get that in, you know, six months or whatever.
0: Yeah, we know that season three ended in 1990, or at least the very end of 1989. Uh, Because they talk about the earthquake that was in October of 1989 during the World Series of the Giants and the um, A's in the Bay Area here in California. So it's right at the end of 89. So it's at least 1990 and maybe a little bit more into the 90s. But so they have this project. Cameron says, I love this idea and I want to do it and I can't work with you. So Donna storms out of that meeting, jumps on a plane to... Bern or Switzerland or wherever Joe just was to get this code and we don't know why or we don't know what she's after or what she's going to do but she's uh, headed right back into the hornet's nest. To not, She's not bowing out totally. She's jumping in from another direction.
1: Oh, she's not bowing out at all. The way they're making it sound is that Donna is going to be the competition to whatever Cameron, Joe, and Gordon uh, have dreamed up. Donna is like the competing factor in that.
0: Have you watched the preview show? Yes. Okay, so did you get anything out of that?
1: Um no. No, I didn't. It was it was um to me as vague as they could possibly make it. Did you get the anything? The only thing I
0: can discern is putting a couple things together that may or may not belong together. Mm-hmm. The, the written description says that there's Lee Pace Joe, as Joe McKenzie, Scoot McNary, Carrie Bechet, and Toby Huss. But it, it also says that it's introducing a- Veep's Anna Chlumsky,
1: mm-hmm. who
0: has Dr. Katie Herman, a chief oncologist.
1: Not oncologist.
0: Ontologist? Yes. That, what's an ontologist?
1: Um, it's like the study of existence,
0: Okay. But I but it so I connected that written textual description with the preview which is a video and it's got Bosworth saying something like I can't check out like this or I can't leave like this.
1: Right. Right. So, this can't be my last thing or something like that. So does yeah. that
0: mean a company or is that thing he does in life or oh.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I didn't know if maybe Bos was sick or whatever um but you know, he's I don't know, maybe maybe retire. He's talked about it before.
0: Yeah, he definitely retired. In season 310 or episode 310, we see him in the boat and his – his what's the girl's the, – the investor lady?
1: I'm trying to remember. He I sees don't her remember. in his
0: dri- – Cameron goes to visit him in her driveway on his boat, executive VP of sales, S-A-I-L-S. Right, right. He's
1: drinking right. beer
0: in the boat. <laughs> and he's definitely retired. He's like, you know, do you notice whose driveway we're in? <laughs> so that was funny. But he's – He's not working very hard. Maybe he needs to get back to work. I, I would I, hopefully he needs to get out of retirement and not get out of life and that's not what he means, but Right. I don't know what an ontologist is. That's what kind of made me made me question it.
1: Well, when you first look at it, I think you do read oncologist, but um no, it's 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 more the study of how just it's complicated i mean i had to look it up it's not like i knew and it's the study of existence it's like in its simplest form it's the study of how things relate to other things i don't know it's about the best i could get out of it
0: um just look googling it now
1: mm-hmm.
0: philosophical ontology computer science and information science <laughs> Yeah, I hate when definitions don't really do much to help you understand.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's. Um, it was oh, a good it's, a,
0: it's a practical application of the physio- philosophical ontology with taxonomy. That's what it is.
1: Well, why didn't they say that? Why to do the they even with? bother
0: t- moving their fingers to type that damn st- sentence? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the branch of it—the branch of metaphysics that studies the nature of existence or being as such. Oh, thanks. That narrows it right down for me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought the whole time. And I mean, I literally spent like a few minutes just trying to find the definition of that. And, you know.
0: All right, Michelle. So that's about all I got. I don't have much to offer, much more for Halt and Catch Fire, other than it looks pretty cool. Whatever they do, we'll see the Internet develop, how how they fit in. They're all in San Francisco now uh, Cameron went back to Japan but says she's back in this, and she lets Tom go back to Japan by himself at the end of season three. So I don't know if she's going to stay. I don't know what hotness is going to develop between her and Joe with Tom away.
1: Oh, you've never given her and Tom the slightest Chance of survival,
0: Tom. If you remember in three ten, cock blocks every idea Joe has about this internet thing. Like this is stupid. You, you, you've learned. You should have known. You should have learned about this guy. He's a scammer. He projects things that don't come true. He's trying to fool you. He's like the Bernie Madoff of the computer industry. Although they wouldn't have known Bernie Madoff back then. But he's like he's don't believe him. He's full of shit. He cock blocks every idea put up on that whiteboard. And then Cameron pretty much says all right, dude, see you later, I'm going to stay, you go back to Japan. They kiss like it's on the up and up, but she's clearly divided something. There's some some new division between Cameron and Tom.
1: Well, because I think because Cameron, um, the, the end is justifiable for her, meaning she's willing to sacrifice for this unknown you know she kind of has the whole time with the gaming and all that kind of stuff and she's able to even if she's doesn't like who's saying it she doesn't like the messenger she's able to hear the message and realize it's a good message whereas tom looked at the messenger and decided based on who was saying it, that he didn't like it. And I think Cameron didn't like that about Tom.
0: Well, Tom's got spidey sense, too. He knows there's some hinky-dink coming up between Cameron and and past experiences between Cameron and Joe, and he's, he's trying to wedge himself between that.
1: Well, he couldn't have done a worse job if he'd been trying to do a worse job because you can't block somebody's creativity like that with somebody else who is that same creative genius just by poo-pooing it away.
0: Right. Yeah. Don't go get your degree. Don't go for that promotion. Stay with me. Like, yeah, you can't do that in life. Right. All Michelle, we'll find the answers to these fantastic mysteries in about two weeks.
1: Ten episodes, and we get two of them on one night. How do
0: people reach you until the? Re- re- revelation starts
1: um on twitter i'm at michelle from tn
0: and i'm at skating tweets and this is all part of west coast project so connect with us and hopefully we'll uh have some good content for you to listen to and shortly after august 19th
1: i'm very excited all
0: right michelle great to talk to you again i'm looking forward uh, to it
1: yeah me too okay all right, bye bye bye